Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to my Big Idea NASOS podcast. I'm Georgia Murray, and this week I'm speaking with Alyssa McGarry, founder of ethical clothing brand Hip Typico. This is Alyssa's Big Idea. I'm here with Alyssa McGarry, the founder of ethical clothing brand Hip Typico. Thanks for chatting with us, Alyssa. Welcome to ASOS. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so if you could start by telling us a bit about the brand, um, what Hip Typico is. Sure. Uh, Hip Typico is an ethical fashion brand. We're based in Guatemala and we showcase all artisan-made products and, and handmade items by Mayan artisans. And how long have you been going? So we started in 2012. Okay, cool. And how did it all start? Um, I know that you studied economic sustainability um, and you clearly have a love for travel. Um, So how did it sort of start once you'd finished your degree? Sure. So I studied uh, economic development and poverty reduction of Latin America. And I knew already I wanted to work in rural communities and um, small villages in Latin America. And so I took a position with an organization in Guatemala, uh, based in rural Guatemala, a town called Panajachel, and I was working in education, uh, helping to build schools for indigenous communities. And uh, when I was visiting all of the little villages and all, all the families, what I was noticing was all the women were weaving and making these beautiful embroideries. And uh, they were pretty much at home. They didn't really leave the house. And um, the colors and textiles were absolutely stunning. Uh, And that was kind of where the idea came about of, you know, these people don't have jobs. And I had studied kind of poverty reduction strategies. And I was looking at all of these amazing products. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, they have the talent that they, they need to to get a job and all I have to do is kind of create that link of bringing buyers Uh, and so family and friends sort of said can you bring some stuff back to the US Um, and was it a friend's wedding yeah Um, where you sort of first showed everyone and yeah Yeah, tell us a bit a lot of people knew about you know Guatemalan products or textiles and had seen some things that were were made were made down there and I had brought up a couple bags and blankets for Christmas and you know kind of an easy way to give gifts and people absolutely loved them and people were like can I have another bag or my you know my sister uh, you know she wants one in blue do you have it in blue and I was kind of like okay well let me look so that was kind of where I started like looking at the markets and visiting different artists and shops and women's cooperatives and getting to know kind of the story and how things are made because I started looking for products and my best friend was getting married and she really wanted like a vintage feel and she was looking for these kind of like floral table runners and I was like I saw those here in the market I think um I think I can bring up some I'll send you some pictures so I went to the market and sent her pictures and was asking the women I'm like how is this made you know is there another one do you have more in the same color and that's where I started realizing every piece was unique no two were the same but everything was beautiful so I picked out uh, a bunch and I brought up to her wedding really small wedding she had maybe you know 10 to 15 tables and we just put a centerpiece on each table 
And by the end, I mean, they were sold. People came up to me and were like, can I have this? I heard it was from Guatemala. How much do I have to pay? Can, I heard maybe you're going to sell. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not going to take them back with me. And I thought I was going to leave them here. So it was just like uh, $20. I don't know. You know, it was really like just kind of natural. And everyone was so intrigued by, you know, what they were seeing. And yeah. it was that was the moment where I was like, you know, this is exactly what I have to do. I have to give these women jobs and something sustainable they can do every single day and bring these products to the global market. I mean, it was... It Weather was, works really, really appreciated. Yeah. Um, so from there, how did it sort of... How did you get the business side of things rolling? Um, obviously not coming from a, a hard business background. Where, where did those skills... Did you learn them along the way? Did you sort of go to Google for advice? How, how did it all come about? Yeah, I mean, everything... Everything was really, really difficult at the beginning. I had a lot of great resources. My father had his own business for 40 years. My brother was the web designer and marketing communications you know, manager there for my dad and my really good friend with me in Guatemala who I met there. Um, she was you know, finishing her business degree at NYU. So I had all of these resources. It was you know, asking my dad, uh, how, do, how do I go about pricing this? How do I go about selling this? How do I go about you know, telling people about, you know, this new business. And my brother, I was like, I need a, I need a website. What do I do? You need a domain, you need a host. And I'm like, what's a domain? And what's a host? And what do you mean? How much does this cost? And he was like, don't worry, we have the server here. I'll put you on our server. It's like $9.99 to buy your domain. You need a name. And I was like, okay, I'm on it. And, um, you know, my friend um, in Guatemala with me was really, really great about you know, kind of quality control and making sure I had the logistics and pricing and paying everyone fairly and making sure I was budgeting and treating the artisans the way they needed to be treated, but also me not losing money. You know, I had to really kind of find that balance and she was so amazing in helping me with that. And it was about three months. I mean, I taught myself photography. I taught myself Photoshop. I made graphic designs. I made a website. I bought a theme and I had three months and I just taught myself all of these things because, you know, I was on a very low budget yeah. um, and it was just me it was just me alone and I had to figure it out and somehow somehow I did it, it. Worked. <laughs> um, and with finances I mean in the UK we have things like um, Prince's Trust and um, even uh, crowdfunding websites where young businesses start out um, and sort of are able to finance themselves um, how did it work for you um, and Sort of how long did the business take um, to be financially viable? Yeah, so I, I was really lucky to have my, you know, my father as a resource. I mean, he has a small family business, um, really locally run uh, in New Jersey. And at first I was kind of trying to figure out how to promote the business and I decided to go to a high fashion trade show in New York City. And um, the really good thing about being an ethical fashion brand was that I, you know, I contacted them and I was like, do you have discounts for ethical fashion brands or fair trade? Because we really want to come to your trade show, but we're not, you know, making a huge profit. Our margins are really small. We give it back. We give back to the community. And it was great because they were like, okay, we'll give you a discount for the booth. We really want, you know, to showcase some more ethical fashion brands. So I was able to ask my dad to, to help me with some investment. He was really, really proud to kind of be an investor. He started his company when he was about 27. I was yeah. 26 at the time. So he was really happy to, to kind of pitch in. And I was not in a place where I needed a whole lot of money. I needed a little bit, you know, of capital 
capital just to get off the ground, just to really go to this trade show, pay for the booth, and bring up some products. So it was that where I asked for a small loan, and um, it, it, it worked out really well because that's where we met kind of some big buyers, and some boutiques came by our our booth and placed orders. So even our first show in New York, we got really. A decent amount of traffic and some some big buyers came by and that was February 2013 and by the end of 2013 we were we were doing well and able to cover our losses and things like that. Amazing it's such a lovely story that your dad was sort of a mentor and also able to give you his advice from his own experience of running a business. Um, so how has the company grown from the initial trade show where you thought, wow, this is, this is going to be something huge, um, and to the point where it is now? Yeah, so we've kind of gone through a lot of different stages. The main thing that's part of our brand and helping us to kind of sustain ourselves and to grow ourselves is really through social media. Um, I live full-time on the ground in Guatemala. Um, I'm not really in the States or in Europe to kind of promote ourselves, and you can't be everywhere. So really through social media has able has enabled us to grow. So we can have people all over the world kind of hearing our story, meeting our artisans. A big part of what we're doing is letting the artisans have a voice, you know, giving them a platform to showcase their items, to showcase their culture. And we're kind of that link, and we do that through social media. And that's kind of where... We are growing, you know, on Instagram and now with Snapchat, we're really able to kind of on the ground in Guatemala showcase everything, which has led us to making new connections, um, reaching customers and clients and, and buyers and things like that, I think has really been thanks to, you know, social media and, yeah, and you know, the resources we have on, on the Internet. So how many um, people are there in your team and um, how many of the Guatemalan makers do you actually work with um, and did that start off as a really small number and you've grown or have you sort of stuck with the same family since the very beginning? Yeah, so um, we have a team of about four on the ground in Guatemala, um, myself and two girls, uh, locals from Guatemala, one from Panajachel where we work and one from another town called Shela. Um, so I really try and empower also the local population uh, to get jobs outside of just the artisans. So we have two young girls working for us and um, another girl from the States who does some more marketing and branding and social media. And so that's kind of our in-house team, operations, logistics, everything going on in the office. And then we work with between you know 15 and 20 families most of them have been you know since since um hip to be goes inception i mean some of the women's groups that i first first met my first few months in guatemala who really inspired me are women we're still working with so we have three women's groups we're really always um, dedicated to and really helping them develop their products and share their story which is absolutely incredible i mean their struggle with their family and and kind of their day-to-day life is such an inspiration so those women we've been working with since the beginning and we've grown slowly with um a few different artisan partners now that we're kind of sourcing some authentic wipiles and blouses and traditional clothing we're going to different women in different villages to source that so we're growing little by little with uh, with different artisan partners that sounds like such a lovely tight-knit community that you've got there um so what does your typical, maybe not day, but your typical week look like? Obviously, you're based in Guatemala, you're from the US, you have business deals with companies all over the world. 
I can't even imagine how much coffee you need to get through. Um, but yeah, what does your typical week look like? Yeah, I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> um, usually, every day is different, which is the absolute beauty of Hip Tipico. I mean, we have a home office, so we have a really, really close, warm office culture. And um, I mean, usually I'm usually around 4 a.m. I'm up. I tend to have to work with you guys, ASOS, around that time. And um, so usually by 4, I'm up. And then 9 o'clock, kind of everyone starts rolling into the office. Um, my, my fiancé actually exports coffee. So really, really great for me because it's yeah. always kind of warm and ready to go. And uh, we kind of share a space with them. They have their kind of creative coffee lab upstairs. And we have our office and our warehouse downstairs. And there's people coming in and out all day long. So it's really this boisterous happy environment and um, usually we'll go to the local artisan market in the morning almost every Tuesday and Thursday is the the local artisan market so we're going to pop down there we we have our scooters we pop on our little mopeds we go down the hill um, into town and uh, we'll go to the market we have um, one-off web orders um, almost every day so then we have to kind of package up and ship out some orders and um, from there most of my work is on the computer social media I mean we try and snapchat everything people love to see kind of when we're driving down the road we're passing the market and the indigenous women are wearing their you know their garb from head to toe and we love to showcase that so all day long I'm kind of snapchatting and instagramming and you know one hand on the moto one hand snapchatting it's kind of like uh, it is kind of an adventure almost every day um but to be honest, we we have days where we're going really far to visit some of our um, artisans. We go to their home a lot. Um, one of our artisans lives a little bit over an hour away, and um, there's no public transportation in or out of their village. So we have like this big trek down to their house, and um, it's absolutely beautiful because it's a group of ten different women, and we walk in, and they're you know weaving and dyeing fabric, oh, wow. and there's just colors everywhere, and kids are running around. And chickens are loose and stray dogs and everything. I mean, anything you can imagine. Um, so that's kind of another day that we would have during the week is going out to one of the artisan field visits. Um, we stay very, very connected that way. Yeah. Other than that, we are in and out of markets and in and out of artisan shops. We have um, artisans knocking on our door, kind of coming in all the time. Oh, wow. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of everything (laughs) so with um the actual sort of designing of the pieces you make um is it that they already have this sort of traditional way of creating um these fabrics and these patterns and you sort of guide them to let them know what people what the market wants at that certain time um seasonally or do you work together on in a more collaborative way or talk us through the process sure um i mean most of our items are made with repurposed fabric so all of the designs are traditional to each and every village we work in so when you're looking at different fabrics or different embroideries everything is designed by the women worn by the women and then when it's a little bit older they discard it and that's where we pick it up and we use it to make bags and shoes and belts and whatever it may be 
So all of that design is done by the women and is 100% authentic Mayan. We don't really touch that process at all. We don't ask them to weave anything different or make any types of different patterns that they're not traditionally used to. Yeah. Um, but from there, we work with a lot of different leather artisans. They will hand tool leather. And we have a few different other designs that are made with a footloom, so different colors and patterns that are made brand new. At that point, we really like to leave everything in the artisan's hands. We really like that it is 100% artisan-made and almost artisan-designed. We give a little bit of guidance on you know, quality control and you know, where the button is and where the clasp is and what's easiest for people in the States or in Europe to use. Um, and the best way that I do is I will show them things from the internet. I will print off some, some articles of things like what's trending in 2016. I'll kind of print out a couple of images and I'll give them some magazines and I'll say this is some stuff that's going on right now. Um, this is what is going to be popular next season. I'm going to go to a trade show. If you want to make any designs using these ideas, let me know and we'll, we're happy to, you know, to showcase them. So I don't really push them to making them design anything they're not comfortable with or anything that isn't spurred from, from their creativity. Yeah. Um, I just kind of give them some resources um, that they don't normally have. I mean, some of them, I mean, they have, a lot of them have smartphones. A lot of them have Facebook. Yeah. Um, they get to the Internet Cafe. They, you know, they get to to see these things on their own, but they maybe are not looking in the right place or know exactly um, what is, you know, coming up in trends. So I do my best to kind of share that with them and keep the process really authentic. Yeah. And have you noticed that their interest in fashion has grown particularly? Are they are they excited by that? Or And also I wanted to know whether where your um, love for fashion started. I mean, it's it's you can see quite obviously that travel and your um, educational background kind of led you to this point very naturally but did you always love clothes and always did you ever imagine that you'd be running your own clothing brand specifically yeah I mean to be honest I never ever thought that I was going to be you know in fully in the fashion industry (laughs) I never really imagined especially in this context um but I always had a really strong passion for, you know, self-identifying and, like, having your inside meet the outside. You know, really being able to express yourself through what you're wearing or the color of your hair or the way you're wearing your makeup is really important so that you feel comfortable, you know, as, as yourself. Yeah. Um, so that was always something that was a huge part of my life is expressing myself through what I wear. And um, that was you know, all came together when I was in Guatemala and I saw those colors and I saw those embroideries and a lot of it spoke to me about like, yeah, this is exactly what I would like to be wearing. I don't really necessarily want to wear black every day or um, I don't really see these types of textures. Um, So it was kind of a little bit of that. Um, I didn't think I would necessarily be working like this full time. Um, But it's been really amazing and I've gotten a little bit more into you know, real fashion trending and forecasting and things like that that I didn't ever have experience in before. Um, But the really great thing is that, like, everything is made to order. So our clients, you know, like you guys, a lot of times, like, Olivia will be like, okay, we're looking for something like this, 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 this. Can you do it? Oh, we definitely have that embroidery already. We didn't show it this line. I didn't realize that was going to be popular. So even so, the amazing thing is when we work with, you know, people like you with ASOS, I mean, you guys can pick and choose what you want. We can do anything. And we pretty much have every color scheme, every pattern, everything um, at our fingertips. And we can't showcase 
showcase it all at once. So it's really amazing when you guys actually tell me, we're looking for this, this, this. Great, I'm going to bring that to you, I'm going to send it to you, and, and we, we got it. So yeah. that's kind of the little special thing that also makes my job easier yeah. because I don't have to worry too much. Uh, you guys can stick to kind of what you're good at, and then I just kind of can, can you know, bring it to fruition. Um, I think girls listening to this podcast and certainly whenever I read interviews with founders of businesses I thought that's great you've done it but I could never do that in a million years but obviously looking back hindsight's a beautiful thing and you can sort of see what you would have done differently what you learned along the way that you perhaps weren't prepared for but that you handled really well Um, so what advice can you give girls looking to do a similar sort of thing I mean, my advice would be just whatever your passion is, whatever that idea is, whatever you're longing to do, just do it. Everyone says that. I mean, it's so cliche, but give 150%. Don't give 90%. Don't give 99%. You have to give 150%. Um, If I was to kind of be like, oh, I want to, you know, have an ethical fashion brand in Guatemala, and then I would buy some products and leave and come back. No, I live full-time in Guatemala. I am with the artisans every single day. I eat, breathe, sleep, bleed Guatemala. That is what I really wanted to do. I wanted to embrace myself in the culture and you have to, whatever your idea is, whatever it has to do with, you have to just give 150% and believe in yourself and believe you're doing the right thing and nothing's going to stop you. You can't sort of dip your toe in the water. You have to like fully, yep. fully go for it. Yep. <laughs> um, and so with the stage that the brand's at now, what is up next for you um, and sort of What's the big goal? Where can you sort of see yourself in a couple of years? Um, Is it moving to other countries and sort of doing what you do in Guatemala there? Um, Is it a physical shop? Um, What is sort of the dream? (laughs) Um, Well, we're always going to be based in Guatemala. That is going to be always kind of our home base and, and kind of the essence behind Tip Tipico. But my dream is really to... Um, embrace other cultures um, showcase other cultures uh, share with the world all of these beautiful pieces not just from Guatemala so moving to another country and kind of jumping in and understanding the culture and meeting different artisans and different uh, women's groups is definitely definitely the goal I mean I, I am so curious about you know other textiles and other embroideries in other parts of the world. Um, I recently went to Thailand to kind of test this to see if it was possible to possibly expand. Yeah. And I mean, they're using the same backstrap loom that we use in Guatemala all the way oh, in wow. Thailand. So it's really amazing. The, the culture and the traditions are very similar in indigenous communities across the world. So yeah. I really want to find out more about that and share it. Um, with everybody yeah oh that sounds so amazing and really looking forward to see what you come up with <laughs> thank you and very excited about all the clothes for festival season particularly you all have to check it out on ASOS um, well thanks so much for being here and chatting with us it was lovely to meet you thank and you see you soon okay take care bye that was Alyssa's big idea. Tune in next week for another story from an inspirational businesswoman. Remember to subscribe on Acast, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Bye! Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. 
With resorts worldwide, from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.